Hey everybody, this is Joseph Howell and Brandon Bullard, and on today's Lunchroom Sports Talk, we're going to cover college football and some free agent baseball updates. Alright, let's get into it. Welcome back, guys. We're glad to have you. We're going to jump straight into some college football talk with my friend here, Joseph Howell. So, Joe, how are we feeling about the college football playoffs in total? What are your thoughts? Yeah, I don't know about yeah, I don't know about you, but it felt like it's become monotonous over the last couple of years. You see these teams, Notre Dame, Clemson, Alabama, Ohio State, you see them every year. And I'm just kind of hoping that maybe we see something different this year. I don't know. What about you? Yeah, um, I, I think the, the top four um, were all great teams. COVID definitely threw a wrench into all the plans, obviously. Um but a lot of issue with Ohio State getting in in the first place with only playing, I believe, seven or seven games, I believe, including their yeah, I think including right their championship game. Uh, but there's a lot of talk of, uh, and we'll touch on this in a minute, uh, Texas A&M uh, should have been one of those top four spots. Uh, that's something I can kind of agree on. Uh, I can also see why they put Ohio State in there. Um, but as far as the competition and competitiveness of those games, I, I got to say, and, and we are both biased being SEC fans, the SEC championship was the best game out of all of them. And that, I think, is another testament yeah, to how good the SEC was, even though we had to beat up on each other this year. Um but anyways, I, I congratulate Alabama and Nick Saban on, I think, their 50th uh, national championship. And, uh, but yeah, uh, let's see. Did you did you think Texas A&M deserved a spot in the top four? Uh, hindsight's 2020. Uh, going into it, I definitely thought Texas A&M had the better resume than Ohio State, but you can't... Uh, after Ohio State put a whooping on that Clemson team, we thought was unbeatable, really, with Trevor Lawrence at quarterback. Uh, I have to say, I think the four best got in. Because Texas A&M, you got to remember, they got the bricks beat off them by Alabama earlier in the season. So I don't think the competition would have been much improved going into it. I just think this year it was Alabama's to win. They had too tough of a team, really. Uh, think about it. The, their second-best receiver just won the Heisman. Their first best receiver didn't even, I think, played two quarters in the national championship. So, yeah, I think it was definitely Alabama. Yeah, yeah I definitely agree. Uh, Alabama was a powerhouse, as they usually are. It seems like every other year they have a century team. Um, but I got to say, I, I was, I think, 
I myself with everybody else was surprised that Ohio State put the whooping on Clemson. I mean, Clemson looked like a solid team. The, the entire college um, football, NCAA, it looked like there was only two teams really there to compete, and it was Alabama and Clemson. So I was kind of disappointed not to see Clemson in that final game. But I got to hand it to Ohio State. They came, and some would say that they were a little fresher because they only played half the games that Clemson did. Uh, which I think is also a good point. They're in mid-season form. Uh, but, I mean, we won't know. COVID was a weird year. Uh, we're still going through it now, but obviously, I mean, you can't go back and change things, so it is what it is. Um, but let's 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 see. So, say we had a bigger playoff kind of race. Um, we know the NCAA men's basketball tournament Obviously has about a million people in it. Um, any thoughts on extending the playoffs for college football? Yeah, I think this year is a big example of why we really do need to look into expanding it to at least my, my favorite eight teams. But heck, I, I kind of like the idea of let's just expand it as large as college basketball, shorten the regular season maybe only play conference games during the regular season and then let's have it let's let's have each other duke it out over three or four rounds and see who's the national championship at the end of the day. But yeah. I think this year definitely felt a little bit more like, oh, here we go again. Alabama's just gonna steamroll everybody. Especially coming from a and this is always you always have to remember everybody, this is coming from a Georgia fan who's just tired of watching Alabama steamroll us, but uh yeah, what's your take on yeah, that? Yeah, I think uh, it definitely needs to be done. There's not a lot of arguments to keeping it to four teams uh, besides the argument of kind of taking away from bowl games, but that's a whole different conversation, deep money, all that good stuff. But I think eight teams would be the perfect number for a college football playoff. I mean, you have just enough teams uh, – you have eight of the top ten teams of whatever standings you go by that year, and it's a one-loss elimination, and you got to win to go all the way to the top. And I, I think that would put a lot more. It would obviously give four more teams the chance to prove themselves, and it would give you kind of those those hedge teams, uh, kind of those. Uh, weirder divisions, maybe a Conference USA that goes undefeated and has a really good year, uh, but they still aren't, aren't going to make the playoffs. Yeah. But, I mean, who's to say that maybe the coaching is just phenomenal and they, they would have a, a chance? Um, I think it would be great for the sport because I think that would help level out recruiting, um, which we'll touch on here in a minute as well, because uh, it – Recruiting right now is very, very top-heavy, um, and there's no argument to say otherwise, honestly. Uh, it's just it's so hard for these other teams um, to get quality recruits. They're having to just pick up the scraps of what Alabama, Michigan, Florida, all these teams, what they don't want. And so it's, it's hard to, to make that uh, argument when you're trying to recruit a player out of high school to say, well, yeah, we're a great team, but we just can't make it to the top four. Uh, and then you have Nick Saban over here with that. Uh, I don't know. Did you see that video they released of him talking to a recruit on Zoom or something? 
Yeah, it's intimidating whenever you have to. It's kind of sucked for these teams like Georgia and uh, Wisconsin, Nebraska, these blue-chip teams, but they're, they're just not able to compete because Nick Saban is that good of a coach. I, I, it, it brings a question in mind. How I know these rules usually are based off of um, – they tend to be based off of winners, and if somebody wins too much, there's usually a rule that they make. I wonder at what point do we start – putting restrictions on Nick Saban. I'm not saying we should. I'm just saying, does the college football look into putting restrictions on his scholarship limits? Or It just seems like these teams are almost yeah. too good. And that, but that's just, again, this is always coming from a biased Georgia fan. Absolutely. <laughs> always want to see them get absolutely. knocked down. And I got, I got some info I want to share with you in a minute. But as far as uh, maybe the NCAA uh, trying to – negate that I, I, that's what i come back to that extended 18 playoffs or even more i mean i think the more you go the better the recruiting gets uh for these little guys um but like i said before yeah, i think the eight true. teams is the perfect amount that way you still have a substantially uh long regular season to where you can still uh play your conference and non-conference games because I, I don't think non-conference games will go away i think covid was just this weird year um, because there's too much money in those non-conference games for uh, smaller schools like Southern Miss yeah, and I stuff. It. I mean, when we saw Mississippi State come into town, I mean, <laughs> they made a lot of money off that game. And it was it was a fun game. That was back in 2016, I believe. Um, I think that's right. Uh, but they it was a close game. I uh, got to see Dak Prescott up close and everything. And if the listeners didn't know, I went to Southern Miss for my undergraduate degree. Uh, but anyway, yeah, I just I think that could level the the playing field for a lot of teams and uh, recruiting and playing for the national championship. Um, let's switch gears here a little bit. Uh, so let's just jump straight into recruiting. Recruiting ranks this year are out, and a majority of high school players have either. Um, committed, or I think there's just a few of like the top 100s that haven't uh, committed yet, but it's pretty well known where they're probably mm-hmm. going to go. Um, but I will go ahead and I'll just read you the list real quick. Number one this year, we have Alabama with 27 total commits. No surprise there. Seven five star recruits and 16 four star recruits. I don't think you can overlook that. The five. Five stars are a good place to have, but having that many uh, hedge guys from probably being close to a five-star recruit, I mean, that's an under a quarterback like, or a, um, excuse me, a head coach like Nick Saban. It's uh, scary to see what he could do. Oh, yeah, those four stars turn into five stars um, real quick. So real quick, I'll just scooch down the line. We have Ohio State at number two, number three, LSU, number four, Georgia, number five, Clemson, Number six, Oregon. Number seven, Texas A&M. Yeah, Oregon's probably the first surprise. Yeah, and uh, surprisingly enough, they didn't have any five-star recruits. They had 23 total commits. 19 of those were four-star recruits. So Oregon's trying to make some moves there, and uh, good for them, getting back into it. They've been – it's weird. They've been in and out of the conversation for the past few years. I remember uh, back in the day when uh, Mariota was there – I mean, you couldn't overlook them, and, and maybe we need to keep an eye out for them. 
Texas A&M at seven. Go ahead. Yeah, you know what's yeah. sort of odd? They, they, they turned from this offensive juggernaut with those high-powered offenses with uh, Marcus Mariota, and they've turned into this almost Big Ten-esque defense. Uh, they've really relied on their defense these last couple of years, and the program's improved, but... Uh, with yeah. Um, yeah, I'll definitely have to. I don't. Know, I haven't read up enough on Oregon to to have too much of an opinion there. But yeah, number seven we have Texas A&M, uh, one five star and sixteen four star recruits. USC, Notre Dame, Michigan, Oklahoma, uh, Miami, and at thirteenth you have the Florida Gators. So not a very strong year for Dan Mullen, getting twenty two total commits, uh, one five star and twelve four star recruits. Um, and that's something we'll dive into a little bit later. Yeah, just a Georgia, just a Georgia fan rubbing yeah. it into a Florida fan. Um, Georgia had four five-star recruits, and Florida seemed to only have one. But yeah, we can. Oh, thanks. Go ahead, Brandon. Thanks for putting that back in my ear. And if anyone didn't know, I am a Florida Gator fan, and <laughs> my co-host here, Joe Howell, is somehow a Georgia Bulldog fan, which is disgusting in its own right. Um, and that's where. Yeah, that's where I got some news I personally hate to share, but I know Joe will will take this in good stride. So for the past five years, the average ranking of uh, recruits, who do you think we have at number one? Uh, I'd have to say Alabama. One would think Alabama, but back in 2018, they had a seventh place ranking of recruiting class. And that dropped their total mm-hmm. or their five-year average to 2.4 rank. And sitting at number one, an SEC team back in 2017, ranked third, 2018, ranked one, 19, ranked two, 2020, ranked one, and this year, ranked number three. We have the Georgia Bulldogs coming in at a five-year average of number two. So if that tells you how strong of a recruiting class they've been holding over these past five years, that's some improvement right there. Um, Just uh, some good commitments and everything. Uh, You think Kirby Smart's kind of getting his stuff together there? Oh, yeah, for sure. Kirby's always been able to keep been been able to convince the top talent to come to Georgia. It's just whether he's he uses them right, really. If you all remember Justin Fields versus Jake Fromm, it's been the conversation. How could Kirby Smart pick Jake Fromm over Justin Fields, the five-star dual threat? But uh, yeah, he, he and he's he's got another situation coming into this year with Brock Vandergriff and JT Daniels. But uh, we'll see if he makes the correct choice this time as a. As a Georgia fan, we're definitely used to seeing five-star recruits gotten by um, Kirby Smart, but it just it it goes to show you how good of a coach uh, Nick Saban is. It's not just about who you bring in; it's uh, it's about how you cultivate the talent in the system. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, so, just a few notes on this list. I'd like to point out uh, we have Florida at a average rank over the past five years of ten point eight. So. Not a bad uh, ranking there for doing some head coaching changes during that time. Um, most currently ranked at 13th, though, so Dan Mullen has some work to do, obviously. Um, let's see, kind of looking at some SEC teams down here. We have Auburn with 13.2. Tennessee holding at 15, even though they've had some some rough years um, here, here of late. They uh, 
Last year they were 10th ranked, and this year they're 16th, not trending in the right direction, but surprising that they're holding so high. Um, and another one that surprised me is uh, Mississippi State is actually at 25.4. So they have been hanging out right at that top 25 recruiting class rank uh, over these past five years, and this, this year they are currently at 25th. Um, so I thought that was interesting. Let's see if uh, – I mean, Dan Mullen was there for, for a number of those years, so let's see if that's going to trend over to Florida as well. I don't think it will, but we'll just have to see. Yeah, of course. Yeah, just touching on the Tennessee comment, it's crazy they've been able to maintain in the top 25, especially after losing their head coach and going through all these losing seasons they have recently. But, uh, yeah, it's definitely interesting. He must have done a. He, he did a much better job recruiting than he did putting a, the actual talent on the field. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's jump straight into some, as we just said, Georgia and Florida talk. You want to any big notes we need to make of Georgia? Uh, we talked a little bit about the JT Daniels situation. Uh, anything else we need to keep an eye on here in the off season? Yeah, it's just. Uh, that's the big conversation going into camp. Is Vandergriff, the five-star superhero, going to beat out JT Daniels? I personally, as a George fan, would like to see JT Daniels given the precedent over Vandergriff. But um, I, as someone who just went through the heartbreak of having to watch Justin Fields tear up the NCAA, I, uh, they definitely need to – he needs to get this one right or – Frankly, Kirby Smart just reminds me of Mark Rick's days in Georgia. 11 wins every year, 10 wins every year, but nothing to show for it at the end of the year. It's uh, the curse of the Georgia job where um, typically among the, the elite, the top 10 of the NCAA, but we just can't seem to break through since Herschel Walker's season. So, yeah. Yet we expect the defense to be back, um, returning a lot of starters. But other than that, yeah. The quarterback battle is definitely the one to look at in camp. Awesome. And then, of course, we brought in Will Muschamp as a special assistant to the head coach, which is always interesting. He kind of failed at um, basically the last two places he was at, but it, it kind of he's kind of taken a playbook out of Nick Saban's old uh, book of trade, where he signs these head coaches that kind of failed in other situations and brought them in as assistants and rehabbed. Yeah, I wouldn't say the most recent one. I wouldn't say Will Muschamp uh, completely failed at Florida. He definitely didn't live up to the uh, desired expectation. Um, But he definitely, he definitely did get a pretty rock solid defense going for a while. Uh, I think the quarterback situation didn't quite help him. Um, Overall, I don't think he was the perfect coach for the situation. Uh, but it is interesting to see what he's going to do at Georgia. We'll have to keep an eye on that, see if he uh, kind of has a good season and maybe finds another home. Um, and as far as the Florida Gators, um, obviously the talk is going to be about who is going to replace Kyle Trask, the Heisman finalist um, who – went out with such a horrible game, but we will talk about that in a different podcast about some of these quarterbacks and the potential draft we're going to see. Um, But anyway, we have, uh, obviously, the front runner is Emory Jones, a redshirted sophomore. We've been seeing a lot of him 
uh, the past two seasons. And when I say a lot for a backup quarterback, I mean a lot. Dan Mullen loved to bring this guy in as a gadget player. Um, but that's kind of what concerned me. And sorry, I had a little mic cut there. Um, so Emory Jones, that's what concerns me is that he, he is that gadget player. Um, we're just going to have to see how that plays out if Dan Mullen can make him into a better throwing quarterback. Uh, I want to remain hopeful because he has been patiently waiting and being a big part of our offense, uh, just coming in in the middle of the game sometimes just to throw the defense off of their pace. Uh, but on the second hand of that, we have this sophomore, Anthony Richardson, which a lot of people are excited about down in Gainesville. Um, he's a 6'4", 230, uh, dual threat quarterback as well. Um, he's They're saying yeah, he's Dan got Mullen a pretty good has, arm on him. Dan Mullen definitely yeah. has the track record with um, Dak Prescott to deal with those dual threat quarterbacks. Yeah, and uh, I, know, I know Tim Tebow's been kind of talking uh, some good of him, uh, singing some praise. I don't know if you got that. Uh-huh. Uh, but uh, we're just going to have to see how that goes. And we got a couple other uh, freshmen, uh, Car- Carlos Del Rio and Jalen Kitna also coming in. Uh, the same type of quarterbacks, actually. Um, well, Carlos is more of a pro style, but uh, they're both currently at Florida. They early enrolled, so they're going to get some, some good reps and training camp and everything. So. It's going to be exciting. I think Emory's going to come out for our starter, though, unless we see some big leaps by Anthony Richardson. But we'll just have to keep our eyes and ears open. Yeah, for sure. I don't think it was all. I don't think it's going to be as uh, tumultuous or top of the season as people think with Kyle Trask leaving. But uh, it should definitely be interesting to see who wins that job going into the season. For sure. Yeah, and this is something I'm going to have to do some more research in, but I think something big which is we're going to have to see is what kind of skill players we can get in there because we have a humongous hole with Kyle Pitts leaving and uh, Tony and I forget the other guys now I'm drawing a blank right now we'll have to hit this stuff on another podcast as well but with the draft and everything but that's also going to leave a big hole and so we'll just have to see how Dan Mullen kind of works with that and see if we can upgrade our defense a little bit from last year because I think that's what was holding us back. Uh, but, yeah, we'll just have to see how it goes. Yeah, but definitely the, the next topic in college football is the just the fact that your starters can stay another year. It's the, because of this COVID year, these seniors who are going to move on were granted another year so. How I'd like to see how this is going to affect these smaller schools. Like, uh, well, not smaller schools. They're still blue chips, like Wisconsin and Nebraska. And if they're able to hold on to any of this talent and maybe compete with Ohio State, they've had trouble in the in that conference for a while. Ohio State's kind of been beaten up on these teams. Maybe you can convince a couple of these uh, older seniors to come back and put a whooping on Ohio State going into next year. Yeah, I think the fifth-year senior is going to play a big role in college football this upcoming season, and I'm a, I'm pretty excited for it, honestly. Yeah. All right, I think that's kind of uh, – there's tons more to talk about with college football, but we have all off-season to hit these teams, and we'll, we'll do some whole podcasts covering whole teams or uh, divisions, and we'll just – conferences, and we'll have to see how it goes. 
Uh, but Joe, I know you like you some baseball. Do we have any updates from the MLB? Yeah, there was actually some big updates this, this last day. Um, so we got a new players union signed going into the year, and the Universal DH is coming for another year in the NL. And this is very exciting. That's good news for some Braves fans. Yeah, Marcelo's. We were the, what we were talking about yesterday. The only concern we had was the Marcelo Zuna signing was was he going to play left field every day? And good news, Braves fans, he doesn't have to play left field every day. We're now it's it's just opened up a whole new avenue uh, with Adam Duvall signing away at the big big loss today to the Marlins. Uh, the Marlins got a really good guy. Um, Adam, I, I've really enjoyed watching Adam Duvall these last couple of years as a Braves. 16 home runs last year. Uh, I really hope he got a big payday going to the Marlins because he's kind of been on these minor league contracts the last couple of years with the Atlanta Braves. But um, definitely interesting to see who we're going to go with at left field because I think they're going to slot in Marcel in that DH role. He seems born for it. But um, also yesterday, MLB announced that the um, – so we all kind of thought, hey, this is kind of weird. Why are there so many home runs being hit? And a couple of pitchers were kind of put – pointing to the fact that the ball had been changed over the offseason. And apparently MLB is going to go back to the ball from a couple of years ago, so we should see the power numbers go down significantly, maybe see some um, better pitching matchups going into this season. Definitely these teams uh, with these better rotations are definitely going to have a better shot at the World Series this year. Yeah, for sure. Uh, real quick on Azuna. So I, I meant to mention this yesterday. Uh, so – as far as the batting order, are we expecting him to sit behind Freddie Freeman? Yeah, I think the expectation is he's going to hit third again. Uh, me personally, I'd like to see him hit fourth and Freddie back in the three hole, but uh, you can't argue with the results. He is the he came in second in the MVP voting, and Freddie Freeman won the MVP, so definitely yeah. um, uh, going to be interesting to see. I how think that's going to that that's going to be absolutely. I think that's going to be good news for Freddie. Uh, we're going to see a lot less walks for him, uh, mm-hmm. even though getting him on. If they want to do that, go ahead and let's see what Azuna can do with that. But yeah. I think it's going to open up a lot of opportunity for my guy, Freddie Freeman. Mm-hmm. He's going to see a lot more fastballs because of that protection behind him. You don't want to walk Freddie to get to that big bat in Azuna. So that's the right. So World Series, uh, we obviously saw the Dodgers get it this past year. So we got any early, early, early predictions this coming up season. I, uh, this isn't, uh, you, you've, you've heard me in the past over this podcast say I'm pretty biased, but I really do believe the Braves are maybe just a left fielder away from uh, showing up in the World Series. I think the Trevor Bauer signing by the Dodgers was a huge get. I just don't think it was, um, it it doesn't separate them quite as much as people think. Also, in the NLEs, you have the Mets, who've made all these gigantic um, moves over the offseason, especially with the Lindor trade. But um, I just don't see the Mets, the last couple of years, we've been seeing these big acquisitions, and they've just seen the injury broke keeps on hitting them. So it just depends on if they can stay healthy, really. And, um but I, I definitely have the Braves coming out of the NL. And my first pick is uh, kind of a surprise, but uh, not really a surprise, the Yankees. I have the Yankees coming out of the AL. You do, really? 
Yeah, I think that one is just, the, too, just too deep. I, I can never pronounce his name right, but uh, DJ Lamui, do you think he's going to resign? Uh, I think the Yankees are definitely open, so that'd be a big loss. Uh, let me check. I, I, I'm not sure if they've actually resigned him yet. Uh, according I to my sources, I don't believe he has, but that was my source is also a few weeks old as well. Um, but yeah, I think they may have signed him already now that I think about it. Yeah, this is what happens when I try to talk baseball people. Just FYI. Yeah, um, LeMahieu, who turned 33 in July, was formally signed to a six-year, $90 million contract. That's a great get for the Yankees again. He's a definitely oh, wow. a good contact hitter. And should was be like a, a nickel for the Yankees? Yeah, of course, with their endless payroll. So, so did you already touch on the Padres? I have not touched on the Padres. Did you want to? So how how are you feeling about the rotation? The Padres. Yeah, with Blake Snell and you Darvish. Yeah, it's definitely additions. Yeah, that Padre team is dangerous. They're young. They're eager to prove themselves, but. Uh, you just got to see how they mesh. It's uh, it's not Nintendo ball. You still got to come together and be a team and uh, be a cog in a a nine man unit. But uh, yeah, it's it's definitely it definitely they've made a significant improvement over the last year, especially in their rotation. Yeah, and uh, speaking on them real quick, I know personally during the early parts of COVID, when all sports and everything was shut down. I remember Korean baseball was the only thing on for a, a while, a month or so at least. And so I started watching a little bit of Korean baseball. Um, but I say that to say the Padres have actually signed this offseason Hao Sung Kim to a four-year contract. He's a, a big guy, big outfielder from uh, – I don't know which team he is from. You'll have to excuse me. Oh, you're um, definitely not going to yeah, in his seven seasons with the Korea Baseball Organization, he's been batting uh, 294, 373, and 493 uh, while primarily playing shortstop and third base. Uh, but I, I understand that they uh, they will be trying to get him in the infield. Uh, I said outfield earlier. I misspoke. But that will be interesting to see. I think it's kind of cool seeing some South Korean players coming over after – uh, kind of keeping us sane during COVID. Yeah. Yeah, and a lineup with Fernando Tatis and uh, Manny Machado is always going to be a formidable team to face. Manny Machado, def- after his scuffle the first year with the Padres, definitely made a bounce-back season, and he's looking good again. Yeah, but enough about the um, Padres rotation. Uh, look at the Braves rotation with the big signing, the return of Charlie Morton and Kind of a, a less splashy signing, but definitely a good one. And Drew Smiley is the fifth starter. Uh, definitely excited to see his. I'm a little uh, perplexed at what Smiley Smiley's role is going to be with the team. Whether he's just going to compete can, compete for the fifth starter spot with Bryce Wilson or Patrick Weigel, or if they're just going to give it to him and go with the rotation of Max Freed, who's everybody knows is dynamite, and Charlie Morton in that two hole. Definitely excited to see if chart with Mike Soroka's able to bounce back after that Achilles tear, which is so uh, tearing on young players. And 
their careers. And, of course, Ian Anderson, the postseason phenom of this year. But it's definitely exciting as a Braves fan to see this formidable of a rotation. Yeah, uh, if I correct me if I'm wrong, I, I thought the understanding was when we signed uh, Blake Smiley that he was going to be in that starting rotation. Yeah, that's definitely the expectation. But just seeing how well Bryce Wilson performed in the postseason last year in his uh, limited, I, I expect them to at least take a look at him, see if he's got the stuff to compete with Drew. But as we know, uh, these rotations are never set. You're going to see 15 guys pitch for the Braves this year. So, uh, right. One of these guys is bound to get hurt. It always happens. So speaking of injury, uh, kind of refresh my memory a little bit. I know last season, early in the season, we had some issues with uh, injuries uh, pertaining to the bullpen. Um, mm-hmm. Can you update me on any of that? Yeah, so a couple of the major injuries is, of course, Fultonavich at the beginning of the season. We all saw Fulte go to the Texas Rangers yesterday, which was a Kind of bittersweet as a Braves fan. I thought I really thought he had a lot of promise these last couple of years. I thought he was he's just got the stuff. It just seems like he couldn't put it together mentally. Like uh he was always interesting to watch, but uh I think the Rangers got a good one for cheap. I'm excited to see if he's able to bounce back. And uh the bullpen down the stretch was dynamite. AJ Mentor with his bounce back season. I was reading an article yesterday where it looks like A.J. Mentor's probably a top-five dominant reliever last year, which is crazy to think. Uh, he was excellent three years ago, but two years ago, we all know the trouble he went through getting back into the big leagues. And uh, the the big news today was, which was I thought was kind of interesting, Ian Anderson changing to the number 36, which, as everybody knows, is Mark Melanson, our closer's number. Does that, do we think... Mark Melance is moving on from the Braves or just giving it to the old rookie, Ian Anderson? So how do you how are you feeling about that new players union that we spoke on earlier? Yeah, it's definitely as uh, as a NL fan, um watching the AL, I never thought that DH would come over. I never was a big fan of it in the AL, but it's cool it's definitely cool to see guys like Marcelo Zuna added to a lineup instead of watching Mike Soroka go up there and swing the bat. Uh, we're definitely going to see a lot more runs, a lot more uh, talent coming to the plate instead of uh, just wasted with a basically a pitcher in the nine hole. Right. And I'm I'm definitely glad they got the deal done. I didn't want to see another sixty game season from Major League Baseball. Right. Absolutely. Well, I think that kind of sums us up on the uh, Braves and MLB aspect of things. And as we go along, we're not just going to be talking about Braves and uh, Broncos and Falcons. We'll we'll kind of dig more into these other teams. Like we said, we have all offseason to kind of dig into this, especially we're big NFL guys. So we'll have to see how that goes. But uh, yeah, you'll definitely hear a quick team going forward. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So, and we, we talk about being in off season, but we currently are in mid season of the NBA. Mm-hmm. Uh, as we, as you might be able to tell by now, Joe's team is obviously Atlanta Hawks, and I'm over here, kind of, sort of being a Nuggets fan. I definitely have a respect for Jokic 
um, and was pulling for them last season in the playoffs. Uh, but let's just take a quick look at the um, current standings right now. Um, the powerhouse of a Western Conference uh, is currently looking with Utah Jazz in the top 19 and 5, which is a little surprising. Um, but their Donovan Mitchell is really – he's a – He's a great player, and he's, he, he was hungry last year. He's, mm-hmm. he's definitely making a run for the money this year. Um, obviously, you have the Lakers and Clippers up there. Phoenix Suns making a bit of a surprise, staying up in fourth place. Um, yeah, that Chris Paul addition definitely has propelled that team forward. Yes, uh, that and Devin Booker is just an animal in his own right. So we'll have to keep an eye on him, and he's a, a local guy too coming out of Moss Point, I believe. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. So that was right down the road from our uh, alma mater, uh, Ocean Springs High School. Um, and then surprisingly, though, you have the Denver Nuggets down in eighth, uh, 12 and 11. They were actually negative a little bit at the beginning of the season, but they've been making a bit of a comeback. And uh, it's we'll, we'll touch on this in a second, but Jokic and a, a few others on that team are, are really starting to come together. And they – uh. It's a heck of a team to keep an eye out for, even though they're so low on the list at the moment. And uh, also, just a little side note, I, I don't know why I have this, not a hate towards this team, but just kind of a stigma, I guess. The New Orleans Pelicans uh, down in 12th of the Western Conference Finals. Uh, I, I did not like all the hype on, I can't even think of his darn name right now. Zion, yeah, the... Uh, King of all kings. I don't. I, I just didn't buy into it. Uh, I think they made too much out of it, and now they got Lonzo Ball down there, and that's just adding a little bit too much buzz, I think. And uh, I think that's why they're they're kind of hurting right now. We'll have to keep an eye on that. Uh, and on the flip side, we have the Eastern Conference, uh, which, just in general, Joe, do you think that they can com- even compete with the Western Conference? I think Philadelphia could if they put the right pieces together. We all know that uh, Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons are can uh, they're struggling to coexist. Can they coexist? Can they win a playoff game together? Um, I think the Milwaukee, the Milwaukee Bucks are always a, a solid team. It does do they have enough shooting to win in the postseason? They kind of struggle with Giannis, um, definitely in the postseason as these zones get smaller and smaller. He's kind of a rim runner, so. He kind of gets taken out of the game a little bit in the postseason because defense is kind of uptick once you get into that area. But yeah, the as you can see, the fourth seed or the fifth seed, the sixth seed is under 500, which is a little crazy for a, a whole conference. And my Hawks in the seventh seed always interest, always fun to see. It's been a while since the Hawks have been in contention. Um, we're going through a rebuild with Trey Young and all these young players: DeAndre Hunter, Cam Reddish, and Kevin Herter. Uh, this year, I think we were supposed to make a bigger push, but we just hit the injury bug. Every, I think every player on the roster pretty much has been sat out at one point. But um, yeah, it definitely seems like it's the West to win it this year. Uh, it just depends on how how far Joel Embiid can carry these 76ers. So the one team you didn't talk about there, which I mean is interesting to me, the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, they're in third at the moment. Um, you think they have the shooting power enough to get over those big big man teams? I do think that if Kevin Durant's healthy. And Kevin Durant's kind of been going through a little bit of the injury bug lately. 
if Kevin Durant can stay healthy going into the playoffs, I think they have a legitimate shot at competing. But if Kevin Durant's right. out, I don't. I think this team gets swept in the first round. Quick reaction. Right now, do you want? Uh, oh my gosh, LeBron James or Kevin Durant? LeBron James. Okay. We won't dig into it. Just a quick reaction. Okay, let's see. Uh, an interesting one, I think, uh, getting a lot of hype right now is the Charlotte Hornets. They have Olamelo Hall down there. Um, I think he he was had a triple double or something the other night. I think it was. I forget what happened. Uh, I think it was some kind of record or something. Let's see. But yeah, anyway, I just like think the right that's the Hornets. He's definitely an awesome rookie. Right, and I think they just started him uh, the other day. Actually, he didn't come out the season starting, so he, he had to work for it a little bit, which I think is cool. Um, but I, I like that there's not all that hype surrounding him. There's a little bit, obviously, because ESPN is gonna, you know, focus in on the ball name a little bit, mm-hmm. which I get. But I like that he's not being superseded by. So I don't know if you saw the news, Brandon, but did you see Derrick Rose has been sent back to the New York Knicks? Say that again. That Derrick Rose is now a New York Nick again. No kidding. Yeah, he got he got traded, I believe, yesterday. Talk about the. I, I would have loved to see more of him in these past few years. My goodness, his that that injuries are the worst. They they took away a brand of basketball that we would have loved to watch. But I, I assume he's still doing moderately okay, just not compared to what he, he could have been doing. Yeah, he really went, kept up with he him went much. from that, uh, looking, looking like he's going to be a perennial MVP candidate. And now he's kind of a, he's that third star on a team. Uh, yeah. Per se. Like he's a 18 point a game, six rebound guy. He's definitely, he's bounced back after the injury a lot better than most athletes could have. He's definitely had a good second leg to his career. But it definitely does suck to see somebody that explosive and that talent to deal with the, the injuries he's had to go through. I just thought it was interesting him going back to the Knicks, um, having to sit under Tom Thibodeau again. Tom Thibodeau is kind of known for uh, overusing his talent. Uh, instead of your usual 34, 35 minute a night starters, he likes to play a starter's 40, 41 minutes. I hate to see Derrick Rose get overused and hurt that knee again. But. Tom Thibodeau yeah. is a heck of a coach, and this New York team definitely made uh, looks a lot better than they have in the past. So, without looking, how old do you think he is? Thirty. Thirty-two years old, and he's still yeah. balling in NBA level. I think that in itself is is a testament to just how good he is. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we definitely missed out on on a star there. But maybe he, he'll be that little bit of a missing piece that some teams need, and we'll, we'll see how that plays out. Yeah. Let's see. What else do we have for the NBA? Um, yeah, we kind of already touched on the, the Eastern Conference. I, I just don't think they're going to have enough unless the, the Brooklyn Nets can really 
uh, hone it in. That's a lot of talent, and it really is, but you got to be able to do what the Buccaneers did and, and bring it together. Yeah. Um, but we'll just have to see if they can get around those those big men teams and just go from there. Uh, I think the Western Conference is going to take it for the next few years, honestly, in my opinion, but no, you never know. Yeah, you never know if one of these top uh, Eastern Conference teams makes a splash at the trade deadline. Uh, I, I, yeah. I think the 76ers are most likely going to try and make that team a lot more talented uh, in the next couple of weeks. Maybe yeah. move on from Ben Simmons and continue with Joel Embiid. How incredible he's been! It's cool to see him in the MVP conversation. Uh, honestly, almost probably leading the MVP conversation. Just how formidable of a talent he is, especially on the defensive side. Yeah, but of course sure. it's always up to LeBron James. Joel Embiid or Giannis. I think those are the three that it's going to come down to this year. And honestly, yeah, it, I'm probably betting that Joel Embiid is going to take it away, depending on how the 76ers are finish this year out. Yeah, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with. I don't think anybody will will deny that. That's for sure. Well, guys, I want to I want to thank everybody for tuning in uh, for our second podcast. I I know the sound quality isn't the best right now, but Joseph and myself are working to get that better for you guys. I, I want a great listening experience for y'all, and uh, feel free to reach out to us uh, via Twitter or Facebook. You can look us up on Lunchroom Sports on Twitter. It's at Lunchroom Sports. You can uh, send us a tweet. Or uh, let us know what questions you have, and we'll, we'll touch on it here on the podcast. And we'd love to engage with you guys. And uh, just thank you for coming out and listening. Yeah, for sure. Thank you to everybody for coming out and listening. <laughs>